0: Oh, <laughs> my What's up, fam? What's going on, everyone? This is the ONG Strike Zone right here on the Black College Sports Network. And no, my name is not Brian Fulford. Uh, my name is AD Drew, and I'm sitting in for your regular host, Brian Fulford, tonight, moving over from the sports rap to, uh, to fill in the open chair. Joining me are your two regular co hosts, Kelvin Rozier and Kofi Hemingway. Kelvin, Kofi. What's going on there, fellas?
1: Man, first thing I want to say is, uh, you know, uh, condolence to our brother, um, Brian. Uh, he's he's not here because uh, he had a loss in the family. And uh, we always talk about being family and so forth. And it's times like this, we've got to be there for each other, and pick each other up. So, uh, you know, we've spoken a couple of times today, but definitely want to let him know that uh double G Strike Zone we we support them, we with them, and um uh, we, we miss them. and then also thank you Drew for stepping in and um helping uh, helping us brothers to get through this show also man
0: Kofi
2: Yeah uh definitely a shout out goes to uh Brian Our thoughts and prayers are definitely with him and his family as they uh go through this this loss, this is, it's never easy losing a loved one. And, um, you know, it's just very tough. Brian has been very dedicated, uh, to the ONG strike zone. And so our thoughts and prayers are definitely with him.
0: Yeah. Uh, known Brian since his freshman year, <coughs> my, my third year on the yard, he was, uh, he was roommates with a guy from, uh, my hometown, uh guy who you all know, uh, Cliff Reed, who, uh, who passed a few years ago. But uh, that's how I met Brian and, you know, met his family and everything like that, because I think they probably spent as much time at my apartment as they did at Gibbs Hall where they lived at. Uh, as fresh because i can't remember what one of them had a car one of them didn't and they, you know how you know how we did it man whichever one of us had the car you you hung out with the one who had the car or you called your boy and had him come pick you up and that you know that's how uh my association with brian came long before the uh bcsn sports rap and ong strike zone and uh black college sports network and uh you know i i've always wanted to be on the show fellas i will bit I want, always wanted to come on the ONG strike zone. I just wish it was up under better circumstances, though. As uh, when I got the word uh early this morning, I kind of uh I rearranged my schedule a little bit because I'm like, I know somebody's gonna have to uh step in. So you had that normal three voices, and hopefully, I can keep the seat warm for Brian. And if I need to be here next week, I'll be here next week for you guys also, uh, to the best of my ability. And for those of you all out there, if you want to sh- uh, send a message to Brian, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, go ahead, send a shout out, let, let Brian know that you do love him appre- and you do appreciate what he does, not only for the ONG Strike Zone, but for HBCU Sports Media in general. Uh, let Brian know your are concerned. And also, like, subscribe, share, download, and donate to this podcast. You know, this podcast, we put a lot of time, we put a lot of effort into these podcasts. I've, I've been behind the scenes on many of the G Strike Zones as a producer, so I finally get a chance to step in front of the uh, the camera. And shout out to our producer tonight, Melody Lucas, for uh, for producing this show and stepping up and uh, being available to produce this show also. With all of the somber notes being... T- uh, been taken care of fellas let's talk some sports because this is a sports show last time i checked correct me if i'm wrong fellas let's go and and with that being said we're gonna change the script up and you know because i'm here now so i'm gonna change the script now nah, seriously we talked about this in the production meeting uh, we're gonna start <sighs> off with softball softball yeah softball y'all the river city Lead off, uh, opening event for our Lady Rattlers down in Gainesville, Florida, and we took one this weekend, fellas. Uh, we're one and three, but we got one. We our victory came against. Uh, let's see, Winthrop. our victory came against Winthrop with a score of four to three. That occurred on Sunday, uh, right there. Going back over over the other scores, excuse me that that was that was on Saturday. I, I apologize about that. We lost to Campbell four for nothing on Friday. We lost to North Florida two nothing on Saturday. As I said, we defeated Winter four three on Sunday, and defeated right North Carolina State University. We lost to North Carolina State University by a score of six to four so we're gonna start off with the positive in in that game that we won on on Saturday as as we go through had looking at the uh players of the game we had Davis who was uh over had it was two was two for three Morgan was two for four. Beasley scored two runs, and Covis—I hope I'm saying the, the, the child's name right—but I'm pretty sure coach will correct me uh, when we get here. Was one for, one for three, on the day. And fellas, we won the game in walk-off fashion. So, Kelvin, take us there. Give me, give give us your thoughts on this weekend series that our Lady Rattlers played.
1: So the first thought that comes to mind for me is the fact that we were extremely competitive. Our pitching um, held up. Uh, I know we're going to have Coach on uh, at the bottom of the hour, to, you know, talk a little bit and give her, her thoughts. But I, I remember when she was on the show in the fall saying that she she liked the, the depth of her pitchers and she felt like she could pitch, you know, four or five uh, different pitchers. And um, and then just looking at the, the scores and so forth, uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the box scores, uh, look like we, we, we've got a lot, you know, solid pitching. And um, if, if our offense can pick tick up just a little bit and um, I, I, we minimize the, the errors, um, I'm looking at a potential SWAC uh, champion type uh, team right now. Um, so I, I'm really encouraged. We have a really brutal, brutal schedule. Um, I think we're gonna have like five home series. And hey, did he get? Uh oh,
0: we lost Kofi there.
1: Did I get tonight?
0: Nah, you still here? If you can still hear okay, me? Okay,
1: all right. <laughs> yeah, we so, lost Kofi. Uh, yeah, I think that um that um you know we only have five um series at home, and none of those start. Until um, I believe sometime in March, late March. Uh, so, so we, we got to do it on these these tournaments. Did well, we you know we we Power Five, Rule Five, and so forth. So we'll be battle tested um, against top tier competition. And uh, and and by the way, I have to say those uniforms are fire, man. They are hands down the best dressed athletic team at FAMU. <laughs> Awesome, man. They look good, and um and and, and so far, you know, is encouraging. um The first series, they got another series coming up, and uh n- another competitive series where they'll be playing Louisville and some some other ACC-type programs and so forth. So we'll we'll get a um a better feel. But it, it's always good to get that first W, man.
0: Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. They're the first team that's actually starting the season. In the full LeBron gear, as everyone else has kind of had to transition during their season into the LeBron stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Calvin.
1: Um, that's correct. You know, even basketball, they had like you know, maybe one set. They didn't have all their sets and stuff. And um, and same with some with some of the footwear. So, so, so you're correct in, in um pointing that out.
0: All right, Kofi,
1: what, what say
2: you about basketball, yes, my brother? Well, you know, uh, we take softball seriously on the highest of seven hills.
0: What so, don't we take seriously on the
2: highest of seven hills, though, brother? I try to come tell stronger people, than but, that, you know. <laughs> no, no, I meant what I said because it's softball season, and we got the softball coach coming on, and everybody don't take softball seriously.
0: I got so you. you have to make you. that known for the people I thought it was that just don't an take seriously. That day, we man. take it no, seriously. I'm just playing.
2: For <laughs> instance, you know, some bands take dance routine seriously like fam you other bands like Jackson state don't necessarily take dance routines all that serious. They just do rock the house and get out of the field. So I said all that to say, (laughs) I said all that to say, um, you know, it's, it's always good, you know, to, to see our softball team perform at a very high level. Um, now, obviously, we didn't get the W, so we're not satisfied just yet. And the, the the schedule that they have is really, really tough. It's very challenging early on before we get into conference play. That being said, they're going to be battle-tested going in, and I'm looking for this team to get or steal uh, a few wins from this, this very, very, very tough schedule um, that we have coming in. So um, – I'm fully expecting our women to win the all conference trophy in the first year in the SWAC. We already have volleyball. We're not going to win basketball, but if we can win softball and tennis, that's going to put us right there in the mix for that all conference trophy. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Now, now all sports. You betcha, you, Sorry. Yeah. You bitch, you bitch, something about the schedule there, Kofi. Do you think it's gonna be a help or a detriment with this with this brutal schedule? Uh it's you know, as we go into this okay, you cut me off, but go ahead.
2: I'm gonna yeah, let you yeah, have yeah. it. Sorry. They say no, I do from time to time. So I I got, forgive you, I got me, you. Okay. All right. Uh because all script is on here He he's watching me and stuff, and he said I'll be interrupting him and stuff. So please forgive me. All right. So <laughs> all right, Scotty, go ahead. <laughs> all right. So When it comes to having a tough schedule, a tough schedule prepares you really for battle. You get to see different strategies. Your team learns how to compete, learns how to deal with, um, I want to say, a measure of adversity. And um, it it gets your team to play at a higher level. Competition is good. Um, And, you know, we have one of the top teams in the country. Uh, right across the street, you know in Florida State and Florida is a strong softball state so with us being able to play them, um, I want to say Florida State and the other um, the other things that's going on man so it's 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 really really good to have that competition. You get to see pitching. You get to see different styles in terms of whether a team is going to be speed based, if they're going to be power based, if they're stronger with their hitting, stronger with their defense. It causes you to it challenges your strategy because, just like with any other sport, situations um, are just different when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, competition you know, which is one of the things that we talk about a lot of times with football, is it good to play a very, very, very tough schedule early on? And I say absolutely, because, you know, getting used to the speed of the game, um, understanding how to deal with adversity, getting your team to play at a high speed and a high high level of intensity is absolutely key. So we're looking forward to it.
0: Kelvin, I say that, it's going to sometimes it can hurt you to take your confidence away uh playing this type of uh schedule. Look at their fabulous schedule just we just go through this weekend to start off with. They're at the u f tournament. they've got this this is down in Gainesville. You've got Louisville on Friday, Villanova and Duke on Saturday. then you've got Duke and University of Florida on Sunday. Then, when you think you've gotten all that handled, then you come home. At least you only got to go across town to play Florida State on Wednesday. That's a hell of a way to open up the schedule there, uh, Kelvin. So it's tough. You your it's very tough. I would uh, like to just
2: mix in something, but at the same time, you know, you can't get any tougher competition in th- this schedule. I'd be curious to see uh, how the schedule ranks. Um, across the country to see how how tough this schedule is. Um, Because, again, University of Florida has been a national champion. Uh, Florida State has been a national champion. Uh, Duke competes in a conference against Florida State. Um, It's tough, bro. It's tough. But we got to bring it. We want to be on that level. We want to be mentioned with the University of Florida. We want to be mentioned with Florida State. Let's play them and not just play them. Let's beat them. You know that'll go a long way, and we do have a win over Florida State, so let's get it done. Let, let,
1: let me let me remind y'all too that um, this is typical of the kind of schedule we've had under Coach Wiggins, the legend, um, since she ran the program. We always played in uh, tournaments that had this caliber of competition. We've always played Florida State. We typically played the other schools in the state if not in a regular season always in these tournaments or in the uh, playoffs when we wanted to meet at so we, we, you know I've watched I've been out of games and watched us compete against um, Florida and, and be competitive in and um, some of the Florida State games and and you know some of the other teams we play so this is nothing new I agree this every HBCU program ain't capable of doing this and maintain confidence and to pull out O.W. here and there. But uh, this has been our formula, it's been successful. So um, our, our, our team and our coaches, they they won't be intimidated. And, and it just they'll be ready for the postseason. I remember um, the volleyball coach uh, uh, saying the same thing about how he went about his schedule. And he scheduled tougher out-of-conference um, tournaments because he felt like he would see some of those type teams in, in in NCAA's, so he set his schedule up so that during the regular season, before we got into conference play, that we'd beat on. We understand what the standard is and, and type type of competition and the different type of uh uh games that are played, styles that are played. So so uh, I think a lot of our coaches follow this blueprint.
0: Looking at some of the other non-HBCUs on the Lady Rattler schedule. In March, they face Army, South Florida, UIC, uh Furman, Mercer. And uh that's in March. In April, they will face Jacksonville University. So those are some of the non-HBCUs that they have on the schedule. In addition to uh, some of the SWAC teams, uh, so why does South Carolina State always wind up on any schedule that we do at Fairview? Somebody,
2: just somebody, help me out with that one.
0: Because we got South Carolina. Well, State you know, on the they're, schedule. they're regional.
2: They're family. We have a good relationship with South Carolina State. They're not that far away. Um, you know, they're right down the street. Not, uh, kinda you know um and they're hbcu and we like beating them when we had opportunity and they like beating us when 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 of course you know the shoe is on the other foot but it's a good uh competitive series really in all sports uh their tennis team is phenomenal their their track team historically has been really really good um the softball team is okay i mean cookman is is really really good and then uh you know obviously football and You know, you have history with them. So you don't just throw that kind of thing away, unlike another school in Mississippi that threw away the Southern Heritage Classic and had to come back and before they got sued and everything. So that's what happened with that.
0: And and, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, my goal on this show today, because this might be the only show I could get away with this, is to not mention that school outside – uh in uh, Mississippi that shares the same town as Tuskegee College. So, I'm going to see if I can go without saying that <laughs> the name of that school today on this show since this is a Hey, bro, you know, listen,
2: I just want them they they say they got a bounty out for you know coach Shoop and everything talking about, you know, cuz he called them Deion State University, but I just want them to get a bounty to fix them darn potholes in their city and fix them water pipes and then we can talk. I, I, I kofi you
0: got to get out to some of these hbcu cities because uh i hate to say it that town ain't so, ain't so bad uh compared to some of these other hbcu cities that i've been to i, I i'm putting y'all on blast hbcus look we bring in all that money for the football games and all that tax revenue i at least want to have come out your city without having to buy shocks and tires for my car, when I come out of some of these cities traveling to some of these football games, i travel. I'm to. just saying that's crazy a challenge. Oh, to, to, to have that many like potholes
2: that. is just absolutely ridiculous. It's a capital city, they got a major highway coming through there. They've had them same roads since 1975. It's ridiculous. They got to do better. Sorry,
0: Kelvin. What do y'all do with this man every week, man? I, I, I how do y'all do this man every week, man? <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we had to break, let me uh let me pull in with see what we got going on YouTube on YouTube. Uh off script had to be the first one on there. Yeah. Get your boy Kofi. He had to be first. Couldn't let nobody beat him to the punch. Uh uh Matre Bennett says, good evening, family. Um uh, them boys. Uh off script. I I I really be wondering did Bonnie really pay for the ad or did they, they, they rip it up i are you taking a shot at us off script talking about us with our uh with our bounty ad you know yeah yeah we we're getting a couple coins for that i'll go ahead and put that out there you know we don't run we don't run on for free my brother uh bobby calhoun what's up family Barry 305 hello everyone uh, uh hey brian is out, actually out here watching so brian shoot, shoot me the text uh when we get done let me know how you uh how how I'm doing holding up your uh seat for you, man. Jeremiah Clark, I'm in here this evening. Stop all of the the slander that I hear on this show. Off script says condolences, them boys, prayers up to prayers to your Brian, Montre Bennett, strength and love, Bobby Calhoun, condolences, Kate Sykes, condolences. Marcus, fam you he he remembers Cliff uh praying for you, B. Jeremiah Clark, pr- prayers for your brother. So uh, you know, got got a lot of comments out here. Got a lot of shout, personal shouts out uh to Brian. Hope Brian takes a, uh, has the opportunity to answer them. If he doesn't get a chance to answer them all, everybody, he's gonna he's going to get get with you as as soon as as he can, uh fellas there. So uh any, anything else y'all want to get in this segment, fellas, before we take it to break? We
1: probably don't have enough time to get into basketball.
0: Uh, yeah, we we'll get that on the other side after the right, after the right. interviews.
1: We, we'll mention, I guess. Uh, I think bowling had a uh, uh, finished in, in fifth place, I think, in the tournament, and then also we had uh, track. They had a couple of first place finishes in um, indoor and uh, getting ready for the SWAG indoor championships in Birmingham.
0: So that that's the show preview given to you by what Mister Kelvin Rosier. So, just quickly before we get out of here, after the first weekend of SWAC softball featuring SWAC teams, is not necessarily SWAC play. Uh That school of Mississippi is leading the East with a five and one record. Alabama State comes in two and three. Alabama A and M one and three. Cookman one and three. Famu one and three. And Valley comes in zero and five. Looking at the West Side, Alcorn. And Graham, they both come in with a four and two record. Everyone else on the west side is over. That would be Pine Bluff, over four, Prairie View, 0 and five, Southern, 0 and five, Texas Southern, 0 and six. Just like we, all, just like we thought in the preseason, the power looks like it's going to probably be in the east once again, fellas. So with that, we are going to take our. First break coming up on the other uh, on the other side. We'll have family softball coach, or to join us talk to talk about the start of the season and anything else that she wants to talk about as it's related to softball and the family, one love family. You're, you're listening, you're watching the ONG Strike Zone. AD Kelvin Kofi. We'll be right back. <laughs>
3: Every time I open one of these bottles, I hear trumpets and big band music. The Creole seasoning is a sodium-free and sugar-free blend that's versatile enough to put on anything. One of the first blends I developed more than eight years ago, the Creole seasoning has an unmistakable aroma, a bold flavor, and a little heat for character.
4: Social media doesn't really feel very social these days. Sure, we get to see our friends, But it's so much better to be with them. And even though we're more connected, we miss being together. Tap into what's happening right now and meet up with friends, old and new. With the only social network that's designed to get you offline and back into life. Swoop in. Let's hang.
2: Follow the Black College Sports
5: Network and all of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN online and on all social media at MyBCSN1.
6: You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes, even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us, we're never not working. Number 15? That's my rub.
2: Ooh, nice.
6: Never not working. Never, ever, never, ever not working. Welcome everybody to Juneau, Alaska. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head & Shoulders scalp shield technology
3: things are bigger in Texas well, Texas cowboy dust delivers big flavors every time a flavorful blend of onion, Himalayan pink salt dried shiitake mushrooms and other ingredients that pair marvelously with steak, other red meats and just about anything else you can cook this versatile blend is all you need Bounty versus the old family dish towel.
6: Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker upper.
4: When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for mental health and other resources. Call 211 or visit 211.org
3: Every time I open one of these bottles, I hear trumpets and big band music. The Creole seasoning is a sodium-free and sugar-free blend that's versatile enough to put on anything. One of the first blends I developed more than eight years ago, the Creole seasoning has an unmistakable aroma, a bold flavor, and a little heat for character.
4: Social media doesn't really feel very social these days. Sure, we get to see our friends. But it's so much better to be with them. And even though we're more connected, we miss being together. Tap into what's happening right now and meet up with friends, old and new. With the only social network that's designed to get you offline and back into life. Swoop in. Let's hang.
0: Welcome back to the O and G Strike Zone. A D Kelvin Kofi. A D sent in for our partner Brian Fulford, who's uh who's out due to some uh due to some family uh some family issues. So coming up in just a moment, as soon as our producer uh gets everything set up is Coach Constance or from Fam you Lady Rattler softball there she is coach or how hey, are you y'all. doing this evening
7: i'm well how are y'all
0: we are doing awesome. fine. good good yeah. coach or all
7: right
0: coach or is in her second season leading our lady rattlers after spending five seasons as an assistant and uh well coach we, we we gonna get we gonna get straight into it let's do it all right First question I am going to ask you is, Coach, a lot of people, you know, you you spent last year, your first year, your freshman year in the Biac conference. Now you get to spend another freshman year, as people like to say, because we don't have our SWAC hours yet. That's what everybody keeps reminding us. We don't have our SWAC hours in the uh, Southwest Athletic Conference. What are you anticipating to be the uh, biggest difference between the uh, level and type of competition that you saw in the Mideastern Athletic Conference and what you anticipate to see in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, Coach?
7: Um, I expect to see a lot more uh, consistent competition. I think I think the SWAC has a lot more competition um, from weekend to weekend than the MEAC had in softball. As uh, uh, I'll speak for softball. Um, but I'm excited because our winter and fall sports have set such a high standard for us that the target is on our back, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, I hear all the talk now. That everybody's looking at FAMU. Everybody's. I opened the weekend. We had um, we had a good showing, and everybody's just they they worried about FAMU, FAMU softball, FAMU softball. What what do they do? So I'm excited about it, but I think um, it'll be good for our team because we know we have to come out and compete every single weekend because every single weekend the target's on our back. We're, the, um, we're fresh meat, as they call it. You know how in high school you're the freshman. So we're the fresh yeah. meat, um, but they know how we play. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen this year.
0: Now, nah, nah, they expect us to carry everyone's bags and uh and and stuff like that but we're not carrying anyone's bags we're gonna make everyone carry our bags but you but you just mentioned something coach you mentioned that 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 pressure you know we saw what the uh, volleyball team was able to do back in the fall by winning the uh coming in being the first rattler program to win a swag championship right and basketball uh, has been been competitive. They've had some big wins. They haven't had had the consistencies, but they've had some big victories. Does that put pressure on your program uh on the women's side just because of the success of the fall and the winter sports that have come before you cuz you, you're the last show before we go home to for the summer.
7: Right. And I won't call it pressure. I'll call it a standard. Um it, we we don't we don't feel pressure. Pressure is uh pressure's for the week. But we do have a standard that our sports have set, and I love it. I love that they've set a standard for our athletics program. So they know that from fall to winter to spring, we're coming with the heat. Like we we're coming to play, and um, that's what I that's what I want. That's what I want. I want everybody to be on their toes. I want everybody to be worried about us when we step on their fields or when they step on our field.
1: Kelvin, yeah, coach you mentioned about the standard, uh, of course, uh, the legend Coach Wiggins, you were with her before you took over the reins, And, of course, there's no higher standard in, in, in women's softball than that. Uh, and I know she'll be getting honored uh, in the meA Hall of Fame, I believe, uh, soon. Um, but I want you to, before we get start talking about the season and everything, talk about uh, your mentoring and what it's like to work for a legend like that with those kind of standards. And then also talk oh. about your additions to your uh, staff.
7: Okay. Yeah. First, I don't. I don't know that I can put in words the the experience that it was working underneath Coach Wiggins. Um, every day, every day was a lesson. Every day was a journey. Every day was an experience. Um, I loved it. I still call her to this day. I just talked to her on Tuesday, on Monday. Monday, I talked to her. I called her, and I was like, Coach Wiggins, tell me about the weekend because I know you watch the games um and she definitely watched them she was like i was watching on my chest out because i was proud of those girls they just brought out the game they played well um but playing working under her it was it was amazing um every day was a learning experience you think you get to a certain level and you 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 get kind of complacent but i can never get complacent with coach wiggins because every day i learned something new um she was teaching and that's all she that's that's what she wants as long as you learn from her that's all that matters for her like the the wins the success that she had she doesn't care about that she cares about the success of her players her coaches who come behind her so just just living living and breathing and doing what she's doing and taking over for her is an honor honestly um but everybody thinks that I'm trying to I'm trying to replace her and I'm not trying to replace her I'm just trying to make her proud like at this point I'm just trying to make her proud and continue the legacy and continue to do what she engraved and implemented in this program a lot of people was like are you going to change anything if it's not broke don't fix it it i mean it works it works so i'm gonna tweak some things and make it my own but i'm using her blueprint and i'm i'm doing what i need to do um but yeah i love that lady and i can't i can't say enough good things about her um i brought I brought a former player. She played for us last year. Uh, She was the grad assistant in the fall. I brought her on to be our assistant coach in the spring. Um, She's helping us out a lot, knowing the program and knowing what to expect. Um, She played for me. She played under me last year, but she also transferred from Howard. So she has a lot of experience in the HBCU world as well, as well. So she's helping us out a lot. And I also have coach Camise Patterson that coach here previously took a little quick hiatus and then came back last year to work to continue to work for us
0: go ahead Calvin
1: your, your overall impression and, and what you thought about your team and so forth. did she get tonight again
0: uh, not quite sure okay. uh, you might want to repeat that question
1: yeah I'm back I
7: lost y'all but I'm back
1: okay all right, Coach, yeah, I just want you to talk about this past weekend uh, what what you were expecting and what you saw in your team um, and, uh, you know, the competition first time out.
7: Um, I think I got everything I expected and more. Uh, the girls came up. They showed up and they showed out. We played a few tough games. The first game we lost 4-0. to zero. Um, I think that was just jitters. That was first game jitters because we kind of beat ourselves, I think. Three of the runs were unearned, so we, we were just settling in. Um, we came back. We bounced back and played a tough 2-0 game against UNF. Then we got our first win on Saturday against Winthrop. Um, and then we came back and battled against NC State. Uh, but we had a really good showing this weekend. We we lost on a walk-off home run against NC State. Um, we held them 4-4 through seven innings. Um, but... I think we, we showed up and we showed out and we, we did what we were supposed to do because a lot of people were interested. A lot of people were asking questions. Um, after the games, I had a lot of fans from other teams coming up to us talking about how tough we were and how they were worried and they didn't expect that from us. But um, like I tell the girls, people are going to sleep on us. They might they might sleep on us, but we're going to leave our name out in this field and people are going to be worried about us when, once, once we get into it. So we did what we were supposed to do this weekend.
2: All right, Kofi. a oh, coach. So everybody is raving about your uniforms, um, and uh, people want to order visors. They want to. Uh, they want to get some snapshots. They want to see how they can get some jerseys, some some Nelia, <laughs> some merch. So, I really, first, who selected the? Did the team do it? Did you do it? Um, who, all all
7: right. Okay. I will take all all the credit for that. (laughs)
2: Everybody has been raving. They're like, oh my God, like these are the best uniforms of any sports team on the highest of seven hills right now. So that says a lot because you know how rattlers can be. They can be very finicky and stuff. So when you get compliments and stuff like that, (laughs) it's like a big deal. So I think that that is huge. Um, Yeah. But how how can they get, you know, people want to get visors. People want to get some merch and everything. So how can they get some merch?
7: Uh, we're working on an online store now, but we have stuff in in the office. Um, we still have stuff coming in. I know uh, a lot of things were on back order. You know, with still with this pandemic, things have been... You know, working, but we're we have stuff in house. Um, if they want to stop by the office, but we're working on an online store, so people that don't know where offices are are out of town, they can um order it as well. But yeah, the uniforms they were a big hit. Um, we did a whole unveiling for the girls for the team. But what I really wanted was just the you know, they say you look good, you play good, you look good, feel good, play good, and being in a new conference, being um, just just a whole we have a lot of new players. I know we talked about that last time I was on, um, just having a whole new just feel for everything so i wanted them to have that feel with the uniforms as well so when they got the uniforms they were going crazy but um that first weekend showed that they they thought they looked good they felt good so they played well um but yeah with the merchandise we're working on the online store um but if not they can always call or text or email me and we can get going with with sales
2: Awesome, so is that constance.org
7: famu.edu? Yes, sir. All right, that'll work.
0: All right, right, coach.
7: Yeah, and I'm gonna be honest
0: with you. I'm I'm sitting up here, coach. You look look like you're young enough to still have a little bit of eligibility left. So, you you ever get out there in the cage and try and and try to hit some of them hot shots? Because I mean, it, it wasn't like you were a poo poo player, you know, you were all uh all-tournament team player in the uh, ACC, and, you know, do you, do you get out there and try to uh, feel some ground balls at third base like you did when you was playing? You get in the circle every now and then. Do you try to get out there with them every now and then
7: still? Look, let me tell you, I talk my junk, but I know how far to go. I'll, I'll talk will <laughs> talk the game to those girls, but I always tell them do as I say, not as I do. <laughs>
0: I got you. I got you. You say slow pitch now, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, play, I do play
7: slow pitch. I play a lot of slow pitch now, but sl- slow is the word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got you, Coach. I got you. I got you. Uh, now th- there was some uh, there, was, there was some work done to the field. Some upgrades done to the field. Uh, obviously, you're not gonna be at home for a while. But how 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 has the new field been? Before you had, had, do you think it has made a difference in just your offseason getting ready and your practice? And do you think it's going to be a, what kind of asset do you think it's going to be when you actually get to play a game on the upgraded field?
7: Yeah, we um will have a big advantage when we get to play on the field because uh the ball plays different, just it's a lot of different aspects that come with it, and I love it. Um, but what I like the most about it is that we we practice on the turf every day. But, when we get to the other fields it it continues to keep keep us on our toes and make adjustments like we softball is a game of adjustments, like you have to make adjustments from one pitch to the next, so as with those adjustments being made, you still have to make adjustments on how you play um it's it's tough, but they come through they 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 do what they're supposed to do. but our sWAC tournament is in Gulfport, Mississippi, and the complex that we're playing on is a turf complex. And we are the only team in the swipe with a turf field, so that would give us a huge advantage with the conference tournament.
0: All right now, with, with, with style of play, if I was to ask you to describe how, how you guys play, or y'all a steal and bunt team, or you are or you are a gap team, for those who've never seen you play, because I have I haven't seen this version of Fabio softball play. Describe describe the style of play that you have for your team.
7: We're fast and aggressive. Um, you know, usually you have your traditional power hitters and you have your traditional bunners and slappers, but our power hitters can also steal and take bases and put a bunt down and beat it out. So we're we're fast and aggressive and we like to continue to put pressure on teams from N and one through N and seven so they can never get comfortable with us.
0: All right. Calvin. Okay,
1: so, coach, you got another tournament uh, where you playing a lot of Power Five schools coming up. Uh, of course, it's nothing new for our program. We we play tough competition every year. We play Florida State every year. I've been there when we play UF and and some of the South Florida and Central Florida, both in regular season as well as postseason. Talk about this upcoming tournament. Where you think your team are? Are we healthy and so forth? And also, just in general. Uh, having those tough schedules to start the
7: season yeah we're healthy we're excited um what I like playing the most about, the most about playing these teams is a lot of our girls they grew up playing with these girls um so they they're hungry to play them they love it we love it um I like how this year our schedule was I like how it was made up because we went and got some confidence that first weekend now we're gonna come this weekend against these power five schools and we're gonna shock them to death because they they just expect us to be scrappy but we have the confidence as well as the athletes and the talent. So I'm excited to see us play this past, this coming weekend.
2: Go ahead, Kofi. Uh, so really um really with uh everything that you all have accomplished um over the years how has uh I wanna say the recruitment aspect been going um in the local area. I wanna say in the state of Florida, southeast, or just how has recruitment been over the last year or so, especially with the new Nike transition or just whatever things um may help?
7: Um, the Nike the Nike it, it helped a lot. The Nike contract that helped a lot. Um, of course everybody loves Nike, so That that draws in a lot of kids, but we love to stay local. We love to stay within our roots. Um, I think we have all but maybe two or three girls on our team are all from Florida. Uh, We just just like to keep it local. Like, we're a true FAMU Florida team. Uh, We're a true HBCU. We love to see our African Americans on the team. Um, But, yeah, our recruiting process is always very smooth because you have so many supporters, so many FAMU supporters, so many FAMU alumni who's – Kids are now coming in and playing, so we we get emails left and right. We get at least twenty to thirty emails a day, easily. And then when it's recruiting time, we get ten times that. So it's our recruiting process is very easy. Um, and things a lot of things fall in our lap a lot of times because we get girls from schools that still want to come to FAMU. So they they're trying to transfer. They're trying to come. They you know, FAMU is a hot commodity right now.
2: That's really good to hear, man. It's um do, you know, we haven't seen our HBCUs make that transition, I wanna say, um, when it comes to postseason play. So how do we take that next step to get to that whole Sweet 16, Final Four, World Series of Softball? Uh, what do we need to do and how can Fam US help in that process?
7: It's is more so we, we I talk about this often. It's not the it's not the talent, it's the outside sources, it's the sports psychologists, it's it's the support. It's the support outside of on the field stuff that will to take you to that next level. Um, like I said before, we're gonna play these power five schools, but it's is all the girls that I've girl, our girls have grown up playing with. So the, the talent is there. Is just the support, is the the preparation, is the the equipment, is all of the stuff outside of it. So just the support of the FAMUans, um, just to get us what we need, so we can get over that hump and get to that next level. That's what'll help us get to the postseason, deep in the postseason.
0: All right, Coach, uh, you mentioned those Power Five schools, and you played at one of those Power Five schools, uh, playing at UNC University of North Carolina. What? Did you what have you taken from your experience at North Carolina to bring to fam to kind of try to shift the maybe the mindset or the culture or the uh like say the 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 outside support the funds? What did what did you see at North Carolina that you've tried to add since you've been at Florida AM to get us so that we could be on those, that similar type level?
7: Um the sky's the limit. Honestly, that's, that's really all it is. Like I know we, we are a true HBCU, but as much as we handle our HBCU culture, I don't want to limit us to HBCU culture. Um, I think that's the biggest thing for us is we go play these PWIs and people look, people think that we're not on their level, but I love that we beat a PWI this weekend. I love that we're competing against these PWIs because just because we are HBCU, that, that doesn't mean anything. Um, they, like Coach Wilkins used to say all the time, they put on their jerseys just like us. They tie their shoes just like us. Like, that doesn't
0: Did we lose her? Can you mm-hmm. hear me? I think we lost her for a second. She
1: froze up.
0: While, while we see, wait and see if uh, Coach comes back, Kelvin, Kofi, uh, anything that y'all want to add in uh, about softball there?
2: Oh, no, man! I'm, I'm in. You know, I hope everybody can feel the passion and just feel the love, um, that we have in this coach with Coach Orr. I mean, she's a treasure all within herself, and I can see this program taking the next steps to compete at an even higher level than what they have seen even in the past. I fully expect us to win the SWAC, straight up. Agree. We Go we ahead, have Kevin. a
1: standard. We have a standard. We have a culture in softball. Uh, we want more me at championships than anybody we've always played sweat programs uh throughout years so um um the standard is the standard um and, and you know so you know we expect to win all right we expect championships. we have coach that's, back that's, that's yeah what
0: I, yeah i would so say we have coach yeah we have coach back uh any coach last here, questions fellas that, you, any last questions that we have for coach before we uh, let her close it out Kelvin,
1: Kofi. No, nah, well, since 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 she came back in, right where we was at, uh, I put a little pressure on her. I mean, I know no, no, I hear y'all nothing, and the, what y'all but
7: expect. She said, said "There's, There's no such thing well. as
0: pressure, Kelvin." Uh, remember? <laughs> yeah, standard. Standard. Just
7: talking talk about <laughs> that standard of yes, both teams season. What do you say? Expectations
0: for the season.
1: Talk about uh, uh, like that standard. The standard of winning at at in softball, and, and your expectations this squad for the rest of the season
7: yeah our expectations are nothing less than a conference championship um compete against every team we play no matter what conference they're in no matter what level they are but um yeah they they have us finishing fourth right now in the swag like they that was our prediction um but I think it's funny I, I think it's funny that they're sleeping on us and I mean I know we're the, we're the new kids on the block but I'm excited to go and Put that pressure on the other teams. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha.
2: Kofi, any last yes.
0: comments?
2: Yeah, man. Uh, so where is the SWAC tournament going to be this year?
7: Gulfport, Mississippi.
2: All right, cool. Um, and the date for that is what? So that Rattler Nation can prepare to go on ahead and take some trips and get on out there.
7: That's right. It's May 5th through the 10th.
2: May 5th through the 10th. Ooh. So we're looking for you all to bring it home, man, to bring some more hardware to the highest of seven hills. I'm excited about it, uh, the expectation, but more importantly, just the talent and the execution is going to be there. And I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, this year brings.
7: Thank you. Thank oh. you. We'll make sure we uh, make y'all proud. All
2: right, absolutely. We're going to let Everybody
0: you, game let game you close it out. I'm any fi- any final comments you want that to that that get? Make sure you go and support oh, the team
1: in Gainesville, also at the tournament, and of course, uh, we'll, we'll be talking about when we have our first home uh, series. But I know we got Florida State uh, coming up uh, shortly too. So anytime, look at the schedules on familyofladies.com that support these ladies and these coaches.
7: Look, yeah, look we had look, a it, we had a really good alumni showing in Jacksonville as well. So thank you all for who came, who came out to Jacksonville for watch us play.
0: All right. Look, if, if we can go over on Wanish Way, we can definitely go on the other side of Tennessee Street and, and watch them play Florida State. <laughs> Any final comments there, Coach, before we get That's uh, it. you get out I of just, here? I,
7: like, we're excited. We're excited. I, um, we're excited to make you all proud.
0: Let's go. All right. All right. All
1: right.
7: Thank
0: you, Coach. Good luck. That's Thank you. Coach Constance, Coach Constance Orr jo- joining us here on the ONG Strike Zone. Fellas, get, we, we get ready to uh... – hey, Scotty. We get ready to pay some bills, man. I just want you to know that, Scotty. We getting ready to pay some bills, my brother. So, uh, but y'all don't want to miss this segment coming up after the break. We have got a special guest that is going to come and talk about some of these classics and some of these other events that's going on. We have a promoter that's going to come on and Talk to us about some of the things, good, bad, and ugly, about what goes on behind the scenes, and y'all just y'all just got. I don't even want to give it away, fellas. They they just, they just got to come back and join us after the break. That's all I can say. uh Ad sit there for Brian, Kelvin, Kofi. We'll be right back.
5: Follow the Black College Sports Network and all of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN Online and on all social media at MyBCSN1.
6: You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology. Protects against flakes, even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. We're never not working. Number 15? That's my rub. Ooh, nice. Never not working. Never, ever, never, ever not working. Welcome, everybody, to Juneau, Alaska. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head & Shoulders scalp shield technology
3: say things are bigger in Texas well Texas cowboy dust delivers big flavors every time a flavorful blend of onion Himalayan pink salt dried shiitake mushrooms and other ingredients that pair marvelously with steak other red meats and just about anything else you can cook this versatile blend is all you need
6: Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker
4: upper. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for mental health and other resources. Call 211 or visit 211.org.
0: strike zone ad hey, sitting in for brian kelvin kofi all right fellas uh we're getting ready to get into the a hot topic that we have going around hbcus and that's these dog on classics now the classics themselves for the fan tend to be great events you know, we go, we travel to another city outside of our own most of the time. It, there are a couple of schools who have a uh, a hometown classic, like the Turkey Day Classic and things like that. Uh, Soul Bowl, which is an alternating uh, classic. But other than that, classics are normally played in neutral site cities. But there's some stuff that goes on behind the scenes and – stuff has been coming out over the last really over the last couple of over the last couple of weeks but some of this stuff has always been there and you know I I, I really don't want to. I really can't get it to put my put my finger on it people are saying that our hbcus are not getting paid they're just due and getting treated fairly by the promoters and these classics so, what we did here at the OG Strike Zone was we decided to talk to a promoter. Now, the person that we have on came on under the guise of anonymity. So, with that, fellas, I think we settled on the name in the break. We're going to call him Roscoe Jenkins. Yeah, not that Ros- not not the Bart Lawrence Roscoe Jenkins, but that's the name that we're gonna go with for right now. And if and if we butcher name and call them something else, just go along with the bit, y'all. Just go. But this is not a bit. This is serious business. But we need y'all to follow along with us. So, uh, Ro- Roscoe,
2: are you there?
4: Hello.
0: We live. We can hear you, Roscoe. We just want to make sure you can hear us. Producer, do we got? Can you hear me? There it is, Roscoe. Tell it like it is, producer. But now, 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 that that, that's what you call the creative producer in the background. Put that graphic up right there, (laughs) Mister. Mister. Tell it like it is. So, uh, how's how's it going there, my brother?
5: Just great. Just great. I just would like to um, just speak openly about what it is, what a classic is and how how does it really work? What's the mechanics of a classic? And sometimes when we hear the words, treat it fairly, just do. It, it, it doesn't really come from a place of knowing when you understand the dynamics of what it takes to make this happen, the roles that the HBCU plays the role that a producer-promoter plays as a third party, how this happens. So I just want to kind of not deal with the hypothetical and give you guys some real information on what it takes to make this work and how this is a benefit to HBCUs. It's a phenomenon in the NCAA community that these small HBCUs can do so well in these large stadiums. No FCS present.
0: Yeah. Now, you know, you know, we don't like to read, so we're going to ask you to give us a cliff notes version of what is a classic, what goes into it, just the general nuts and bolts right now.
5: Sure, sure. You you have different complexions when it comes to a classic. A classic that's in the 12 state regions where um the HBZU resides doesn't mean the same thing as the classic in your northern markets or out west. Classics that are in the South are, are really are really um, more – fans have a lawyer to a particular school. So if you're in Atlanta, you're going to see certain schools. If you're in Louisiana, you better have Southern If you're in Florida, you better have Bethune, Cookman, and FAMU. But when you look at classes up north, it's more like a diamond in the roof where they do not have access to HBCUs. So you can, you have more flexibility in what schools you can play. But basically it's a neutral site, a neutral site event, kind of like a a homecoming, but on a grander scale. All right.
0: Uh, Kelvin, I I know you dying to get some stuff in, so I'm not even going to hold the mic right now. Here, I'm passing you the mic, my brother. Go ahead ahead and uh, take this segment over.
1: Okay, before I, I, I get into the weeds with uh, Roscoe, uh, let's talk about what kind of preface this whole discussion. I know that we've offline had discussions off and on over the years about uh, site games and classics and, and economic impact. And I know Roscoe, the producer is gonna get into that, but let's talk about the, the, the most recent thing that made those that, that brought it to the forefront again. And that was, of course, uh, Jackson State pulling out the Southern Heritage Classic, and um, uh, we saw the response from Tennessee State president. We also uh, understand that there were multiple years still, left, <coughs> excuse me, left on agreement, and Jackson State reversed course and um, has committed to the uh, this year for sure, uh, right now um but you know and then dion and there was some comments out of that that uh that area that was talking about that uh they doing business now and it was good for the fans and et cetera but it wasn't good for the program so uh we thought this would be a good time to kind of talk about uh you know the nuts and bolts you know because honestly folks have uh a, a shallow understanding of, 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 of how big a production that is, but there's a lot more to it. And so uh, with that background, uh, Roscoe, I, I just want you to kind of talk about um, how you go about in a market putting together a, uh, a uh, classic and then, how do you factor in the payouts? What's the industry standard,
5: and so forth? Well, when we look at first demographics. When we look at first is demographics, and what I mean by that, the most important ingredient in a classic is the local market. So, if you look at Memphis has about six hundred thousand Black folk. Atlanta metropolitan area has about two million. Miami has about one point two. So. We look at that first to determine if there's enough local support, local support. Now, when it goes to the school, we look at a number of different factors, but the most key one is, what do you think they can generate in a permit? Not necessarily how many people from those schools are gonna show up to support it, but is the brand strong. We, we research their NCAA home record attendance. We have the attendance for every school Home games for the last 20 years. So we know what they're doing at home. We look at low travel time. Classics that are low travel time, particularly in the South, tend to do well. Once you get beyond five, six, seven, eight hours, you're going to have a challenge. And you can see that we look at the numbers for the Orange Blossom Classic. We look at the numbers for the Swag MEAC Challenge. We look at the numbers for all these schools. And what we found is that low travel time makes a difference. And when it comes to the schools, we negotiate a guarantee, and particularly with HBCUs, HBCUs have no risk, none. So we can pay a guarantee is what you agree to. We'll make an offer, they can counter an offer, and and when we make offers, we look at two things. We can buy existing matchups if it's a a game that's already contracted all games have contracts we will make an offer to the home team for the rights to that game and then um pay for meals travel accommodations and get some consideration money to the home team so you see a guarantee whether it's 150 200 300 000, whatever it is that's just the cash payout usually We'll play meals, travel accommodation for football team, marching band, and tr- um, cheerleaders. That could be another couple hundred thousand, depending on where it is. You got to take care of your venue. The venue, the venue for NFL venue, you name any of them, can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars. And then the third piece of that pie is advertising. And you have to put money in the advertising. So when you look at a classic, there are three main areas what you pay into the school, including the guarantees and expenses, what you pay to that venue. And when we look at the venue, you got rent, you got staffing, you got equipment use. And then um, the last piece of that pie, the third piece again, is um, what you're going to pay into advertising. And you have to put money in advertising. That can be easily six figures. So, the schools, again, they have no risk. It's unheard of. If we look at best in class or comparable to a classic, it's a bowl game. Every bowl game is just a war. They have to sell tickets. Every bowl game is done by a third party, a promoter. Whether that be ESPN, whether that be a not-for-profit or city, they're all third parties together. Not one classic, not one bowl game is owned by a conference or a school. Not one. But when it comes to classics, during the regular season, we do have schools that own classics, and we do have schools um third parties like myself that own classics. But so when you look at the expenditure side of it, and the schools are figured into that, say that game costs, and I'm just going to use low round numbers, $400,000. So let's say $800,000 because you're in a major market. You're in a market like Atlanta or LA or New York, Miami. Easy can be 700000 800000 What we do is determine what the break-even is, and that is a simple formula. It's expenses divided by average ticket price. Let's just say average ticket price is $40. So you know 40 divided into 800,000 is 20,000. So you're going to need 20,000 people to get your money back. And that's without any consideration for sponsors. Sponsors don't show up at black events like they do general market events. So we usually make it based on tickets. Anything got to 20,000 and one, you're in what we call the blight. You're in the, in the blight. Anything less than that, you're in the red. Again, what's the responsibility of the school? Show up and play a game. And they can get 150,000, 200,000, 300,000. Even if you incentivize them the way HBCUs work, you give them that guaranteed money, they're not pushing your gate, the classic gate. They're going to put money on their other home games, because they got your money. So typically, once you deduct all the kids, it's usually a third, a third, a third. The venues usually get about a third. Promoter gets around a third. And actually, the schools end up together collectively with a third. So some people say, is that fair? They're exploiting the school. No. The schools are not being exploited. Exploited. They have no risk. They have nothing but upside potential. But what's going on now, you have Jackson State, which is doing great. I love what they're doing. Their numbers are incredible for FCS, and they surpass many FBS schools. But that's the phenomenon. Most HBCUs don't even come close to what Jackson State is doing in recent years. So... I can understand where they can say we can get more money out of this. Everybody come and see Jackson State. Well, Mr. Jones, who has the Southern Heritage Classics since 1990, he built that brand. He built that brand. They got three years left on that contract, and they're going to play three years because you can't make an emotional decision and say, well, we Jackson State, so we don't want to play no more. It doesn't work that way. We have agreements that spell out the relationship. So they will be there for the next few years unless Mr. Jones decides to let him out. And he doesn't have to do that. And even though Jackson State is a phenomenon, again, classic in the South do best with low travel time. There's a few exceptions, but Jackson State did not show up for the Orange Blossom Classic. It did 25,000 people. Jackson State did not show up in numbers. At the Celebration Bowl, it did less than thirty thousand people. In South Carolina State, brought more people than Jackson State. So when we look at classic, you cannot discount what that producer promoter does. The producer promoter responsibility is to put that butt in the seat, regardless of what the schools do. He has to create the environment to make that classic the big event and the place to be, and it takes money. It takes a skill set. It takes being very knowledgeable black, about the demographics and black folks, spending habits, trends, when they get paid, when they don't get paid, discretionary income. There
1: are a lot so so Roscoe. Yes. So Roscoe, let me let me jump in real quick. Uh, sure, sure. I, I saw A D uh shaking his head uh about a, a comment
0: uh 80 you got a pushback or uh, a point you wanted to make well uh well yeah he, he mentioned that the celebration bowl uh was, was under 30 and uh, i know i was in the celebration bowl now they had a reported attendance of forty eight thousand uh or so so that leads to the question e- either we're not counting the numbers in the seats properly or we're fabricating the numbers uh Kind of get into that, you know. or Are we talking about people who actually come to the turnstiles? Are we talking about people who purchase tickets? Are we just take a look at look out in the bowl and say, Oh, looks like about 45 to me. How, how are we factoring in that attendance that you're talking about?
5: Well, you got to look at configuration. The Mercedes Benz Stadium holds about 60 some thousand people. But the 100 level and the 200 level from the sweets on down is 40,000. They were not configured to be more than 40,000. So here's how it works. Say you're dating this female. You can say, hey, lady, you know, I got this shiny Corvette. I make $250,000 a year. That's you announcing what you make. But if she say, let me see your paycheck, you show your paycheck. And your paycheck says, oh, you only make $2,500 a month. That's the gross amount. Uncle Sam comes and gets his 30% and you down about $1,700. That's how it works with venues. Again, most stadiums are configured for three levels, 100, 200, 300. Usually 200 and down is 400,000. So you can actually say, we're going to configure for 40,000. And if you do, whatever number you do, you can say you sold out, even though there's another 20,000 seats. That game was configured for 40,000, right? But you can announce whatever you want to. He said he did 48,000. Well, I happen to be in sweet with sponsors, and they know me, and they ask me, Gene, what is it? I say, he's right around a good mid 30. But you, again, you could announce whatever you announce because we do that, normally we might announce 10% more than what's actually there. The person who does this game, he has a habit of doing a lot more than that, which he did this last time. It was was physically impossible to do more than 3,000. That's the announced number. The gross number is the actual number of people in the building, everybody. Employees, ticket takers, attendees, that number is a good number to know. That number's around a mid to low 30, but the net number is the most important number. That's actually who paid. That's your take-home pay. So the net number, if he was in the low 30 or mid 30, the net number, the actual paid number, may have been in the high 20s. That's what I was thinking in the high 20s. And this is a not-for-profit situation, but if it was a pro-profit situation, that number is good for the tax man. Because He's going to say, give me my 8%. So that's how that works. You have the amount number. You could say, he could have said there was 70,000 people in there. And that's what you would have done with. You could take your head, but then you got your gross number. That number, actual number of people in the building. The number you don't share is the net number, who actually paid. That's my number I need to know, the building and the tax man. That's it.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Before I, turn, so, before I turn it over, to, <clears throat> hold on. Before I turn all right. it over to Kofi, if you would, Calvin, let me uh, let me get a couple of these comments that I'm seeing on uh, YouTube because because uh, people on YouTube are really chiming in on this. Will Will Sue says so. They've been making dollars off the schools and making a killing. Uh, their boy says that's the number I wanted to hear. Fifty percent of one third, which is one sixth, for y'all who don't. Uh, we're not good in bad. Uh, we are M says, so the school is locked in and the promoter has the upside where M says, which is nothing. 50% of, of, of third crap. Uh, evermore promoters are expected to promote the game to generate money. That's the only reason it makes sense to, to take the game out of the hands of the AD and give it to an outside person, a promoter uh their boy said i would just pay the noise and let them work it out uh all right ea has a good it has a good question i'm gonna come back i'm gonna put a pin in that question ea uh let's let kofi get one in kevin before we uh turn it back over
2: yeah all right so brother roscoe um the science and the vernacular for classic games Um, can be kind of complex. So let's simplify for the average blowjo. How can our HBCUs...
0: Did we lose Kofi?
1: Looked like he got sniped, but I think when he was going, where he's going is, uh, I think folks look at, you know, the swag has you know the largest classics in the in the uh FCS right most of they most of their classes average over 50,000. um and they've been played over a long period of time and one one thing i have not heard you mention is economic impact if you create an economic impact in the tens of millions 20 million 30 million is the range i've seen for the southern heritage classic as well as the florida classic and what, how, do, how, how do you translate those numbers into what the payout should be with the teams participating?
5: OK, OK. Uh, Let me, it, I, I want to ask one other question. It does. It, it could. Let's put it this way. It takes expertise to be able to produce a football game. It's more than just promotion. And quite frankly, with you, the HBCU, the administrative staff they're good at the administration of athletics, but they're not good at the business of athletics. And that's the problem you have. They can't do it. And unfortunately, some of your larger classics, like the Florida Classic, the IU Classic, and a few others are really not operated by the HPCUs And we, we got to be careful about this because this could go the way of the Negro League if we're not careful, if we don't come together. But to answer your question about economic impact, that's a real good thing to know. What we see, again, best in class, when you look at the bowl games, they make it based on um, economic impact. And you got communities and counties and cities that give hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars to bring a bowl game to their community. Because when they talk about economic impact, it's two things. But the most important thing is kids in beds, people rent cars, going to to restaurants, entertainment. They have a formula for that that says if 20,000 people, 30,000 people show up, then the economic impact based on those factors can generate $20, $30 million, $10 million for that local community. The HBCU have done a horrible job taking advantage of that because you have sports commissions and tourism bureaus that will pay out and pay money, not just sponsors, but the municipal side, the municipal side. So that's how we look at economic impact, heads in bed, people going out to eat, restaurants, shopping, rent cars. They stick a pin to all of that and it could be tremendous when you have, in, in bowl games, a destination events where they want you to fly into town. They want you to fly. All bowl games are destination events. All classics are not destination events. They're drive time events, no drive time events for the, for the most part. But there are some that are destination oriented, and that is the Florida Classic, which has a $30 million economic impact per the mayor of Orlando. Um, to a certain degree, the Bayou Classic has a strong destination where people are flying in. That's what they want to see. So. That's how you measure economic impact. The other side of it is the monies that are generated from butts in the seat, whether that's a paid butt, complimentary ticket or credential. The income areas for stadium are phenomenal. It, it's incredible. You cannot beat a stadium. So when we look at the revenue for a stadium, the major areas of income are yes, the ticket price, the ticket price, um surcharge the ticket. Ma- well, let me see. Yeah, the ticket price, which goes to the venue in the promoter. The venue usually gets about 15 or 20 percent of the ticket price. Then you got your ticket master charges, which we call outside charges, and that can be 10 or 15 dollars. And they share 50% of that with the venue. Ticketmaster does, not the promoter. Then you have what we call food and beverage or per cap is the technical term, and that is the anticipated spend on food and beverage. So if you got 30,000 people, 40,000 people say 30,000 of them spend $20. That's 600,000. Well, the stadium gets about 30 to 50% of that, okay? And then you have parking, and you have have to pay for the equipment use, meaning the large screens, the white screens, any equipment you use, there's an extreme markup on it. And venues operate differently. You have some venues that will charge you for the use of toilet paper, water, electricity, or turning on the elevator. But basically, the income areas are what you're paying on rent. Rent can be a variable expense, 15 to 20% of your gross sales. So if you gross a million dollars, that venue is going to walk out of there with 150, 200,000 off the top after tax okay and then you have per cap food and beverage you do 30,000 people 600,000 they're going to get another 300,000 parking and then a big one now in the industry is facilities want to pay what they call facility fees they say oh producer promoter you don't have to pay it the customer pays it Person buying the ticket. So, in addition to ticket master charge, in addition to the promoter paying the rent, they may charge five, ten, fifteen dollars for facility fee, and it goes one hundred percent to the venue. One hundred percent. So,
2: Roscoe, yeah, Roscoe. So, real quick, um, let's let's go to Famu and the Florida Classic, um, so we can make sense. How much do you think FAMU and Bethune Cookman should take home for the Florida Classic or for their participation in the Florida Classic? And how did you get to that number? Okay.
5: What they're taking home right now, let's start with that, okay? Then I'm going back into what I think they should be getting. And I would love, love to help the Rattlers get that kind of money. Right now, family and Bethune take home $800,000 each. $800,000, that, that's peanuts. A game that's been there since 1996. A game that generates $30 million plus in economic impact, right? So when we look at it, look at the game first. If the average price of a Florida Classic ticket, and we know you got your suites and your club seats and all that, let's just stick a pin to it and say $50. So They did 50,000 people, so that's $2.5 million. $2.5 million generated just off a ticket sale. $2.5 million, but it doesn't end there. You got Florida Central Sports, Florida Central Sports, right? So let's go back to my point about the income areas for the stadium. You got food and beverage. You've got parking. You've got, surcharges on inside charges on ticket prices you got facility fees right that's easily another so that's five million dollars yeah all
0: right uh, while you talk about stuff those people selling t-shirts and pendants and the little pom-poms and all that stuff do they have to pay a vendor fee to either the schools or the stadium or the promoter you know you talked about inside uh revenue opportunities just before you go on is is that something that we we currently capitalize on or should be able to capitalize on yes
5: th- that's part of the right fees and and that those fees can be paid directly to the school or the school can do what we call a buyout and make an offer to the stadium otherwise the stadium may get 30 to 40% of those sales so we usually give them a thousand or $2,000 for a buyout and the school will either entertain a master vendor and they may pay a couple thousand dollars and they will subcontract the other vendors. That happens a lot. So yes, that is a revenue part too, not the sales, right. but the vendor fees. And also what well, we, we do say merchandise because most schools sell merch merchandise as well. So the Florida classic just, from the game itself, just the people in the stadium, and then when you throw in sponsors and advertisers, easily around five to six million dollars, because food and beverage is just as great as ticket sales, sweets are now two three, four thousand dollars, seven eight thousand dollars in case of the orange blossom classic, so that game gross revenue is is around about five or six million dollars of which. Bam, you and Bethune only get eight hundred thousand.
0: What are the that's, expenses that's involved? The split. Is that a split or is that
5: a piece? A piece, a piece. So that's now, one point.
0: That's one point six.
5: Right, right. Out of about five or six million, that stadium really doesn't cost that much at all. It's, it's not expensive. It's a large stadium, but it's not an expensive stadium. So when we look at what are the estimated costs for staffing and equipment use, we'll do- normally use a formula like $3 or $4 a seat for reserve, 2 3 4 depending on what kind of stadium it is. And that's not an NFL stadium, so we'll say $3 a seat. So they're probably around one hundred fifty dollars to $200,000 in cost for staffing, EMS, police, ushers, um, parking attendants. That'll probably, for that event, or be around one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand. 200,000. Okay. And then they don't do a lot of advertising. They don't do a lot with that. The big winner in the Florida Classic is Florida Central Sports, not FamU or Bethune Cookman. We just don't have the expertise, and FamU's had such high turnover that we're not passing that knowledge on like a Ken Riley knew how to deal with them. We haven't had anybody in the last since Ken Riley and that administration that knew how to deal with this venue in Florida Citrus Sports, so that's the revenue side that's derived just from game day. Economic right. impact so, again, thirty million. So let me go to your point. I think these schools, FAMU and Bethune, should get no less than three to four million dollars each. No less because. If they looked at the economic impact, you went to the Sports Commission, you go to CVB, Convention and Visitors Bureau, it's heads in bed. They're generating $30 million. And they will pay that to FAMU. They will pay that to bethune equipment, But we just have, FAMU just has leadership. They're not experts. And that's what's happening with these classes and these schools they're incapable of doing things that are high level because they like expertise. That's well, what you're so doing we'll real
1: quick. 80, uh, to that, Go ahead. to that point. I one that he just gave, I did notice when, um, Florida state played their neutral site game at the beginning of the year. I think it was, uh, Old Miss. They played Ole Miss. Yeah. Old uh both of them guarantees. We're in that ring. We're three million. Um, so and, 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 so check
5: this out. Let me do so, this mean, before between I between eight hundred
1: thousand and three million. That's a lot of dollars in there. Uh, we should definitely be closer to that than farther away from that, given our what thirty year history, almost in that city in that venue.
5: Well, Roger, let me give you one better than that. We predict that family and Cookman since 1996, have easily, easily left about $50 million on the table. Easily. And I think family just, signed and, and, and Bethune-Cookman just signed up for another five or six years. They need to rescind that contract, call Florida classic to the carpet. They need to be audited because what they're doing is a crime. And here's the thing. Nobody's saying nothing about them. We never say nothing about the white man, but you will point the finger at us. You will point the finger at us. You got a mayor. Hey, so, you can Google right now, Florida uh, Classic Economic uh, Impact, and the mayor will tell you $30 million. Nobody says anything.
0: Hey, Roscoe, can, can you put a pen in that for a minute? Can you hang around, because we're overdue for a break. Can you hang around for a few more moments while we pay these bills, brother? No problem. All right, I'll tell you what we're going to do, because this conversation is getting hot and heavy. We had some other stuff that we supposed to be talking about on this show, but I think we need to keep it right here, fellas, What y'all think. I think we need to keep it right here and That's take cool. it on the other side of this break. All right, so what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to take a break now. We're going to come back on the other side of this break and continue this conversation. Uh, A.D., sitting in for Brian, Kelvin, Kofi, we'll, we'll be right back.
3: Every time I open one of these bottles, I hear trumpets and big band music. The Creole seasoning is a sodium-free and sugar-free blend that's versatile enough to put on anything. One of the first blends I developed more than eight years ago, the Creole seasoning has an unmistakable aroma, a bold flavor, and a little heat for character.
4: Social media doesn't really feel very social these days. Sure, we get to see our friends, But it's so much better to be with them. And even though we're more connected, we miss being together. Tap into what's happening right now and meet up with friends, old and new. With the only social network that's designed to get you offline and back into life. Swoop in. Let's hang.
0: Back here on the ONG Strike Zone. AD uh, Drew sitting in for Brian, Kelvin Rosier, Kofi Hemingway and our special guest that we're calling Roscoe Jenkins, uh pr- promoter, producer, and uh right now he's our expert on HBCU classics. And be- before we uh ask our questions i want to get some of these comments on facebook uh, on youtube because y'all are hot and heavy out here on on our youtube channel uh let, let's see let me chime in ever boy said producers are expected to vote a game to generate income oh i read that one already uh ea says please tell about the money given to you by the cities that are hosting and they get it back from hotels, restaurants, shopping. So don't give an illusion that all this money is come from you. And I think you already commented on that, uh, Mr. Jenkins. Uh, Will says, sounds like a manager justified. Uh-oh, somebody, somebody trying to cut us off, man. We, we must be getting too hot. Sounds like a manager trying to justify their higher pay when they don't work as hard. Uh... JSP says, says uh, "You're not making a whole lot of sense, uh, Roscoe. Take that for what, what it's worth." Will uh, defended you. He's making sense. He's trying to make sense of the schools. Don't make money. Uh, let's see. Uh, here's one. Will says, "Jackson State brings 40k to a game at home, so it does not make sense to do a classic. They are losing money. That is before." Dion Dexter Martin says family who has been doing this long enough with where it is only going to be beneficial to the university. We have to submit our numbers uh, and our figures to the state regarding the budget and money received. And Edward Boyd says, since the schools are trying to capitalize or maximizing their profits on games, how does he see using promoters continuing to be a wise approach for certain games? Let's start right there. I think that is a good question. Should the schools do it themselves why why use the a a promoter a third a company a third party uh why, why not just do it to ourselves like we would like we would do a home game, like say, Jackson State uh, does 35 to 40 per home game. You know, FAMU does 20 per home game, Southern, 20 per home game. Why not just play the doggone game at home and say, the hell we're going to Miami, Jacksonville, Tampa, wherever we decide to go? What, what do you say about that, uh, Roscoe?
5: I say um, we look at best in class and I made that example earlier. Best in class for a classic is really a bowl game. And all bowl games have third parties, all bowl games. But what's more unique with the FBS schools or the bowl game is they do operate in some areas in best in class. We cannot say the same for HBCUs. Okay, my comment earlier was that HBCUs are decent at the administration of athletics, but they're not good at the business of athletics. And you can look at that from the stadiums. You can look at it in many different perspectives. As far as schools like Jackson State, they are the rare bird. They, what they're doing is phenomenal. The majority of the schools don't even come close to doing 15, 10, 12,000 people a home game. They just don't. So I think it's best if we work together and practice our collectivism and our exceptionalism as like people. Can uh, uh, a relationship exist where there's a promoter involved? Yes. Because a producer promoter, if he's operating at a high level, he's going to know how to approach the city, the county. That's who pays money these games he's going to know how to put together what you call an rfp a rfp where you bid out the game and it goes to the highest bidder and you ask for things like a free stadium you ask um, the sports commission and tvb to to take care of meals travel accommodations for football teams, leaders and marching band and and you ask for relief on um ticket surcharges and facility fees and there's a way where everybody can come together. The community gets what it wants in the way of the economic impact. The schools get what they want in the terms of more revenue from the um, ticket sales and, and even sponsorships. I didn't talk about that, but the rights fee side of it. Then the producer promoter can get a fee for producing the game. It doesn't have to be that the producer promoter makes all the money. Relationships are defined by risk. I had mentioned the fact that the schools have no liability, no risk, none whatsoever. But yet they have all the upside potential because we do include bonuses. We do include bonuses. So so there's a way that it can work. If I'm a businessman, I got all the risk and goddamn them and I want to make the majority of the money. That's the way that works. But in doing so, we can incentivize the schools based on ticket sales. We can do bonuses based on attendance. So I think we need to operate best in class. Producers, promoters are experts at marketing and promotions, and they have skill sets that you just don't find in well the HBCU community. Okay. So let me, let me make I, this comment. In. For, for, instance, for okay. instance, let me just make this comment. I've leased 30, 40 different stadiums meaning I paid for the stadium, Superdome, Mercedes-Dome, you name it, I've done an the event there, okay? So I know how to deal with that stadium. You have ADs at FAMU, Bethune, Cookman. They weren't even ADs before they got there. They were the equipment manager. One guy one guy was, was um, he did concessions at Alabama. The other guy before him, he was all pro football player, but they were not business people. They were not, and they spent their life running away from the black stuff. And fam, you have to run the black stuff. We don't even dig to see if they know how to do what it is they're supposed to do. We're just happy because they come from University of Miami or Alabama, Oklahoma, or San Diego Chargers. We, fam, Ewing, Cookman, HBC community, life experts in all areas. That's the problem. So. I think there's a way we can coexist. We want to see the schools make great money. I do. And you try to build things in that that can happen. We share in the revenue. So right. there's a way to coexist. Right.
2: Let me, let me let jump me. in here. Go ahead. AD. real quick. All right. So, Go ahead, Kofi. Discerning the good um, promoter or the right promoter producer for your school. For instance, um, Walt Disney World attempted to put on the SWAT MIAC Challenge in Orlando, and the game never took off to the proportions that the Florida Classic did. Um, You take the 100 Black men um, working together with... um, I wanted to say the swag meak challenge as well as the celebration bowl to other Atlanta classic football games that they've tried to put on, but the missing element, you know, they seem to be missing it. Um, whereas even let's let's take the Southern Heritage Classic. The Southern Heritage Classic, um, had teams prior to Jackson State. Tennessee State was always the common denominator, but Mississippi Valley played in that game, Grambling played in that game, Southern played in that game, and none of them came close to doing the numbers that Jackson State was able to bring to the table. So my thing is, how do schools eliminate themselves from putting, the, I want to say, putting themselves in a bad spot where they're not making what they probably should make, and you know, I want to say, discerning wrong situations. Um, because again, you know, Walt Disney World is an excellent promoter, and I think that they would be great for the Florida Classic, but they would not be great for the uh for the Swag meag Challenge. Um, because, like you said, you know, you have that low drive time with the Florida Classic as opposed to the swag schools having to drive all the way to Orlando uh, to come to a football game. So how do schools put themselves in the best situation to make money beyond just the negotiation? What things should they look for? Well,
5: they should they should cut a deal or or make a guarantee. They should agree to a guarantee that allows them to make some money without any liability in the areas of meals of, of um, meals, travel accommodations for football team, cheerleaders, marching band. Then it should focus on upside potential, not necessarily just based on if I sell a ticket, I get $5, but incremental to where you get a bonus at different levels. And you can discuss that with the producer promoter. So whether they sell a ticket or not and, and people show up, then they can participate in the revenue. Now, as far as the Matt, what is the Challenge? But you gotta understand, that's an ESPN event. ESPN is a television company. They Don't give a damn about attendance. Look at any of their games, the Celebration Bowl. Attendance just hit around thirty this year. But prior to that, even though they announced thirty thousand, they were really in the teens with the um, Celebration I Bowl. I mean, Look at all of the Wax challenges. Walt Disney World is a sponsor, okay? They can do certain things for marketing promotion, but you got to understand the black dynamic. You got to understand how we are motivated to sell, buy purchase tickets and what the trends are, how to promote. You need gestation in a campaign. You need maybe four to eight weeks to, to create the environment to purchase a ticket that they're not going to buy for the most part until the last week. So there's a lot that goes in that, but I would say with the schools, get a guarantee that works for you and that promoter, and then focus on upside potential. And the upside potential should not just be based on how many tickets we sell, but how many people are coming to this game because of what their promoter is doing in this brand. And you gotta realize if, if it's a $40 average ticket price, and say the break you break at twenty thousand people, so you can save for every five thousand people times forty. That's hundred thousand dollars. You can pick up another twenty-five thousand dollars or another fifty thousand dollars per five thousand people. So you have to cut deals like that. And me as a producer/promoter, as long I'm not in the red at one. So as I generate revenue and gain profit the schools generate more revenue. And I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Now, as far as uh-huh. the Southern Classic, Fred has been around, Mr. Jones has been around a long time, and, um, and, and he's still growing in some ways we all are. So I would say with the schools, you are what you agree to. Once you make an agreement and it blows up, you can't haul a foul. If it doesn't make any money, you still got to get your money. So there's two sides to that. And when we hear terms like fair and equitable or they're just due, you got to look at the, the total picture. These guys are walking into a situation where they have no risk, none whatsoever. The FBS don't do that. You got to sell a certain amount of tickets to get that money, okay? Even though they get a large, um, the producer promoter in that case, gets a large amount of money up front. So I think moving forward, we got to really dissect this thing and see and speak from a point of knowing, not the hypothetical. And I hope I help you with your understanding of what this, it takes to make this work. And I think in the case of the Florida Classic, I can't tell you enough. I can't, I can't tell you that you need to get to that AD, to that president, and do an audit on the Florida Classic. You got a mayor that has said for the last several years, ha ha ha, $30 million for you black folk I just made. And we do nothing because FAMU, like all HBCUs, lack experts when it comes to the business of athletics. We're so far behind, it's ridiculous. In knowing doesn't mean you have to exclude the third party, the promoter. You work together to make that happen, so you can go to L.A. or you can go to New York, or you can come to Atlanta or, or go to Atlanta or go to all of these cities, and without risk. So black folk have to learn to work together as business people. Instead, got gotcha. you promoter, but you're not saying anything about Florida Citrus Sports. You're not saying anything about Bruno's who run the Magic City Classic and they only get about $150,000 each. You're not saying anything about the two white girls who run the Bayou Classic. But because you know it's black folk, them black guys making all the money. But Florida gotcha. Citrus Sports has made millions to the point where they can pay Florida State and Mississippi State, them PWIs, Three point four million dollars for showing up one time. Black folk hate everything got. about slavery, Christianity. Wake
2: up!
0: All
1: right, got you got,
0: you, got you, I can I, say I, 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 I can say this, Kofi. I throw my two cents in on that. It's all about the partner in in the uh, in the classic. And like he said, once Jackson State showed up to the Southern Heritage Classic, it took off. And I'll take this from my other alma mater, Tuskegee University. When Tuskegee left the Turkey Day Classic, it bottomed out. You can still go back to Alabama State, look at their top five attendance, four of those top five attendance, uh, attended games, featured Tuskegee in those. I'm just throwing that out there. My last question before I let Kelvin take it home, uh, Mr. Jenkins, what we, You know, we spent so much time talking about uh, – FAMU, Jack State, these Division One, Division One schools. What about the smaller classics on the Division Two level?
5: Well, the exception in, at the D two level is Tuskegee. Like I said, we have all the NCAA stats, and you can get them too. And um, T- Tuskegee does very well for a D two school. Albany State is up there too, and um, and and a few others, but most of them, the numbers are very light. So when we look at classics for D2 schools, if it's right there close by in that state, they, they got a chance. But when we look at D2, the numbers are smaller. When we look at the alumni base, we look at that. We look at how many students they got. What's their alumni base? What do they do at home? What are the classes they participate in? The D2 numbers are much, much smaller and the guarantees for D2s are, are you 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 talk about what is being done at the FCS level, the D1 level. A typical a typical guarantee for D2 could be twenty five, thirty, forty thousand dollars for most of them. Okay, for most of them. And uh, but again, Tuskegee is, is is a school that that does really well. or Has the potential to do well because we have such a strong brand and a strong alumni base all over the country. And they actually surpass quite a few of the HBC, d one schools in-home attendance. They do. So when we we look at the D2 model, I look for low drive time. Or I look for a fish out of water, a diamond in the roof, where it's a market that doesn't have access to HBCUs, and they want to see that. That's a diamond in the roof, and you can make that work. And um and even though we may pay them a low guarantee, because I'm looking at my risk factors. What if it rains? What if it snows? What if they don't show up like you think? You want to make sure you can pay the bills. But at the same time, always find a way to give back. Always try to find a way so they can generate more revenue. As long as I'm in the black, I don't mind sharing the
0: revenue at all. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Kelvin, take us home.
1: All right, I think this is... a. Uh... Uh, a, a discussion that will probably uh, be going forward uh, for a while because we're in the midst of uh of uh, kind of a reevaluation of of the whole home versus um um classic and guarantee games where we play uh pwcs for two two hundred three hundred fifty thousand dollars like UCL and so forth and uh, I, I think uh HBCUs are trying to find the right mix. I know in Dion's case, he said he doesn't like the beat-down games. Uh, I've stated on this show um, that I don't like those uh, guaranteed beat-down games either, um, and I always thought that, you know, between – FAMU is, a, you know, is one of the higher attendance schools, so between a home game and a neutral site game that can generate that same revenue, that would be – or more desirable, but that's just my personal preference. That's not a necessarily a business uh, decision. But uh, what I would say, and um, I think a good way to take it take it home, is um, one size don't fit all. And and the model that uh, works for a uh, FAMU in Jackson State may not be a model that works for other HBCUs. And even with home games, you know, as someone who's been involved with large events um, across the country, uh, I would tell you what's not often talked about is what is your net? Even with home games, you know, just because you have 17,000, 20,000 people in the stadium don't mean that you're profitable. Uh, If you look at the books um, outside of homecoming, uh, most HBCU games, Jackson state excluded, especially right now, uh, probably don't net more than 50, 60,000, uh, dollars at home. When you looking at, uh, security and game operations and, and all the things it takes to, to do a large event. Um, so, um, I think the HBCUs, uh, not just the you know the administration and so forth. I, I really think that the the DSO, the direct support organizations, um, and um, the Lunai fan base have to get more knowledgeable, um, and it has to be rooted in, um, as you indicated, data, and not emotions. And um, then at the end of the day, we are what we negotiate, but what what we think we deserve may not be the same as what the market or the industry standard is. That's why we got to be data-driven on this thing. But, uh, and it takes our expertise. Schools don't have, uh, um, even um, non-HBCs don't typically have staff that specialize in these kind of uh, things. And and so they're outsourced uh, typically. And so it's not a bad thing. I don't think it's, it's a...
0: It's a promoter versus uh, um, a
2: municipality.
0: Versus- I think, think we lost Kelvin there. Can you, can you uh, hear me? Yeah, I hear you. I think we lost Kelvin there. Uh, look, looking at the time, we are we are over, way over our time. Uh, 30 seconds or less, Uh, anything you want to get out, Uh, Mr. Roscoe, before we go ahead and uh, close out this segment?
5: Yes, I want to speak specifically to the Florida Classic, the Orange Blossom Classic, the Bayou Classic, and the Magic City Classic. Y'all need to audit them books because you have third-party promoters because they know you don't know. They know you don't understand stadium revenue. They know you don't understand economic impact. And they're the ones running off with the millions of dollars. They're the ones. You need to make them accountable. FAMU and Bethune-Cookman specifically, you like expertise. You like expertise. You sign a deal for six years and don't give no consideration to the economic impact and millions of dollars being generated by the Florida Classic. You, you like expertise. So I would say, sound the alarm. Get Dr. Robinson, I think that's his name, and, and whoever your AD is, and say, Look, we need to audit this game for the past 10 years, see where that revenue is going. How come we only getting the measly $800,000 each when the game is revenueing $5 million? You need expertise, then give me a call. I will disclose who I am at some point. And I would love to help fam, you and Bethune out. Let them get that three point to four million dollar payday because it is possible that sports commission down there is willing to give it to you, but you can't go through Florida Citrus Sports. Y'all need to sound along. If you're about sports, this is a wake up call. Call Courtney Gauche. Call Dr. Robinson and say we've left $50 million on the table from being in Orlando. That damn mayor said we got a $30 million impact here. We love family and Button Cookman do something about it got you got you
0: we we appreciate you uh roscoe for joining us today fellas we in the overtime so what we're gonna do we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back put a pin in this conversation and get our, our closing outtakes on this show you're listening and watching the ong strike zone ad sit there for brian kelvin kofi we'll be right back
5: Follow the Black College Sports Network and all of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN Online and on all social media at MyBCSN1.
6: You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology. Protects against flakes, even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. We're never not working. Number 15? That's my rub. Ooh, nice. Never not working. Never, ever, never, ever not working. Welcome, everybody, to Juneau, Alaska. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head & Shoulders scalp shield technology.
0: A.D. Drew, sit down for Brian, Kelvin, Kofi, and boy, if you had not liked, shared, and subscribed to the OG Strike Zone, you would have missed a hell of a conversation and i say a hell of a conversation so please share this with a friend There's a good discussion that we just had here we we've gone into overtime we spent the last hour talking about classics uh football game promotions etc cetera, etc cetera. before we do our final outtakes fellas quick uh Quick comments on the segment that we just had. I'm going to start with you this time, Kofi. Just uh, any quick comments you had on our guests that we've had. Man,
2: Roscoe brought uh, a well of knowledge, um, you know, to the conversation. And I think, you know, he exposed the fact that you cannot go to the negotiating table unlearned. And you can't be so quick to just sign stuff. Um, our people perish for a lack of knowledge. So it's necessary if you're going to put pen to paper that you do the necessary research to put yourself in the best possible position.
0: Kelvin, quick outtake on this, uh, on the segment that we had on the classics. Uh,
1: I think we're going to have to do this again um, uh, later on down the line and continue to have these kind of conversations. Um, I, I think the, the, the biggest point I take away from it is that you know, all neutral site games, classes, whatever you want to call uh, has a third party involved. Whether it's a commission, whether it's a promoter uh, or, or a municipality, um, that's that's the industry standard. So, let's not alienate the folks. Let's just work together to make it better. Right.
0: My, okay. my quick take on this is, I, I've, I've got a couple of them, and I'll make these brief. A... Uh, what you heard was one man's opinion one man's experience i'm sure there are other promoters out there who may have a similar story or may have a different story to tell on this. so you have to take this and get full knowledge and the full full picture of everything that go- that goes into this and i appreciate uh I appreciate his comments. A lot of stuff I agree with. And just like anybody else, there's certain things that kind of make me go, I don't know if that's right. But, you know, but it did take time to come out. But and and I challenge everybody, go out, do your own research. You heard one man's opinion. You heard the three of us comment on it. But do your own research. Find out what's true, what's not true. Don't just don't don't listen to the brothers down at the barbershop. If that's your general basis of knowledge, then you're not doing yourself a, a a great service. That's number one. But number two, it brings up something deeper: fans, alumni, students, supporters. There's a lot more that goes into the business of athletics. Period. Outside of the classics. The football game, you know, everybody thinks is roll the ball out open up the gates, let people in, and just play the doggo game. No, there's a lot that goes into it. And there's a lot that you don't see if you have not worked in an athletic department, have not been a part of an athletic department. Kelvin knows what I'm talking about, having been a part of an athletic department, I've been a part of an athletic department. Just like Kofi can tell you, there's a lot that goes into that band having been a part of the band that the fans don't see. They just show up at halftime. Hey, the 100 looking good or the 100 missed a step. They don't know what went into getting to that point. So fans, you know, we chime it in on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. We talked about all oh, that, oh, that schedule suck. Why they can't go out and play this? Why don't they go out and get more P5? And why they can't go play this team up here? That's a lot that goes into it that y'all just don't know. And we not even just talking about do the schedules back up does that team have a same off day that we have all that we have off day. And and that's the first thing that's got to happen before you even have a conversation about who, what, when, where, and why and how. So fans, if if you really want to get into it, get into the business side of it. Once you get into the business Uh side of it, you will understand how hard it is for your fandom to occur. So, I'm off my soapbox with, with this now. So, uh, Kofi final comments. Did I lose everybody?
1: No, Kelvin, I'm here.
0: Final co- all right. Okay. Kelvin. final comments. Give <laughs> us, uh, give give it, all give right. us your outtakes.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna plug, uh, all the different uh, teams that we have going on, uh, coming up. So, basketball is in action here in uh, Lawson Center this weekend. Uh, they play Alabama State Saturday, at, and, uh, and um, I believe they play a and on Monday. And um, I, the colors is a blackout, I know, on Saturday, and I think it's a pink out uh, council game on Monday. So, men's and women's basketball, come out support them. Softball, of course, we said it'll be in the the, uh, Gainesville area. Um, Tennis has will be playing this weekend. uh, At home, look like. And um, golf will be out in Savannah at a tournament uh, this weekend. Baseball is in New Orleans. uh, Opening weekend. uh, Andre Dawson Classic. So make sure we go out there and support that. Also, football coaches out. Uh, at the uh, uh, first uh, NFL HBCU Legacy Bowl, uh, along with some some, players, some of our players and, and, and swag. And that's and also in New Orleans. And, and D2s. That's, that's in um, New Orleans also. So uh, you got Andre Dawson Classic Baseball as well as the uh, HBCU Legacy Bowl happening in New Orleans. So there's plenty for uh, black college fans, sport, athletic fans to support fan family fans specifically to support throughout the South region this weekend. So let's go out there and support our teams.
0: Hey, don't forget about track there, brother.
1: That's right. Birmingham, in, uh, indoor yes, track. sir. Indoor, uh, track, indoor track, track championship. Is in Birmingham this weekend also.
2: Yeah.
0: Kofi, final outtakes.
2: Hey man, uh, I'm excited about, you know, just what's coming down the pike in family athletics. Um, you know, we have uh, this big game this weekend with the uh, HBCU game, and our, our coaches are going to be on, uh, on showcase going up against Buddy Pugh and his staff, so that's always going to be interesting as our guys are looking to go and play at the next level. And, uh, you know, just the show this evening was just mind-blowing. I'm excited, um, and I hope that people really spread the word because – it's 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 time for us to take the next step into I want to say prosperity in HBCU athletics this time in this window of opportunity is like none that I have ever seen in my entire lifetime and uh, we're going into the, probably the best period of HBCU since the late 70s so we need to step up and capitalize on this moment because uh, we don't know when it's gonna be like this again.
0: All right, I I got three uh, quick outtakes. Number one, and I agree with uh, Edward Moore on uh, on our YouTube page, fellas. Y'all need to get on some Georgia Wi Fi because uh, I'm here in South Georgia. I haven't had any Wi Fi problems. I haven't I haven't got got to ask tonight both y'all. Both y'all went off tonight, so we got we got to work on that next time. I'm on here, man. I need y'all. I need y'all to come. To I don't know. It might get on some of this good up. Georgia V Mix. <laughs> when V Mix working fine for me, I need y'all to come get on some Georgia Wi Fi. Uh, that, that, that's number one. Number two, I want uh, thank y'all for letting me uh, f- fill in for uh, fill in for our partner Brian. Uh, for those who may not have heard the beginning of the show uh brian has uh had a death in the family uh once i got word of that this morning i uh i contacted the guys told them if i if they needed somebody to come in here and co-host for them today i would uh change my plans and definitely make that uh have been in touch with brian i think we've all been in touch with brian so once again our thoughts and prayers are with our partner brian fullfruit as he goes through uh great great loss uh, and tragedy in his, in his family you know anytime you lose a close family member it is definitely going to be uh it's definitely tough for us uh, and last last but not least you it at home game on Saturday uh Kelvin I know this game is not on TV like the uh, game against Texas southern was but I've had the pleasure I've seen one game on TV. I've been to two games. We got to do better. Look, we got a ten thousand seat arena. This is not Gaither. Those same two thousand people in Gaither, it's a packed house. It looks good. The same two thousand people in the Lawson Center looks like crap on TV. So if you in Tallahassee. Live Oak, Monticello, Miccosukee, Quincy, Panama City, Thomasville. You know, if you're within an hour, two hour radius, and you're coming to Tallahassee, or you can make your way to Tallahassee, please come out and listen. Look, I just want to get the lower portion of of, of the Lawson pack. I don't need, y- I don't want you Y'all need to sit up top like it's graduation or nothing. But can we at least get the lower portion packed? You know, student section. Hey, and, and students, y'all. What's y'all excuse? Y'all on campus. Y'all get in for free. We can't even get the student section packed right now. So, come on, y'all. We got to do better. So, not only support the basketball team, but let, let's get out and let's support all athletics. Uh, and and last thing, you can catch me on the Black College Sports Network uh, on Saturday as I broadcast the. Uh, Still been William Carey game right here on the Black College Sports Network. So, with that being said, fellas, the time has come for us to say goodbye to all my Rattler friends. Let's get up, let's pick up the show and get up out of here, fellas. What's up, man? Thank you. Let's go. And as Brian will say, Rattlers, we will strike, strike. And strike Strike again. again. I'm out of here. We'll holler.